Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast, your weekly Fulham audio show. My name is Sammy James and tonight's show has a very autumnal feel to it as we look forward to some of October's games. Uh, But no changing of the colours tonight, Uh, not in the studio, in my living room. Uh, Playing the full guy, Jack Collins. Hello listeners. And the perennial away day maestro. Don Betts. Hello, hello. How are we all doing? Yeah, not bad. Another yeah, another living room special. It's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah, be you've back. been I've had an extended period of leave. You've been off the podcast for ages, so much so that we've actually had tweets going. Yeah, Where's rumors, Jack? Rumors about uh, Jack's whereabouts. No, I'm not leaving the podcast. I am. I'm here. I'm just. You're not, working, you're not starting that rival Fulham podcast that you've been talking about for years. Fulham-esque, no, Fulham-esque is still on, on ice. Okay. Uh, it's for, for the, the big split when it comes. It's going to happen one day. <laughs> and me and Sammy have our, you know, big, big falling out. It's going to be, it's going to be a big problem. For it's going to be fans. like the next take that and you'll be the Robbie. Yeah, yeah, I think I will be as well. I think we all see you as the Robbie Williams of this podcast. Thanks, Sam. Anyway, moving on, we're going to have a look uh, tonight uh, at some of the October games that are coming up. We've had an extended international break. For once, I feel like, an international break that has given us some actual entertainment, uh, which has been quite nice. But we're back to club agendas, and we start this Saturday against Preston at home, back at the cottage. Uh, we're on the back of two wins before the international break. Lovely win, obviously, at Loftus Road on the Friday night and Forest before that. So we're going to be high on confidence, Jack, but it's not going to be an easy test against Preston, who have performed very, very well this season. Yeah, they've started the season well again, um, which is unsurprising, really. They've got a very solid squad with sort of you know very useful players rather than you know any standout stars, if you will. But they have... Uh, a distinctly Irish flavour uh, up at Deepdale, which is obviously something I, I keep an eye on. Um, Shawnee Maguire, uh, in particular, who came across from the League of Ireland. Ireland had a quiet international break, didn't they? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll come to that. Um, Shawnee Maguire um, is, is a very, very talented player, and he scored a lot of goals for Cork City in the League of Ireland last year, um, earning him both a place to in the Championship and a place in the international squad. So... He's started the season, you know, decently. I think he's got three um, for Preston thus far already, which is more than any Fulham player has managed. Uh, and, and also they have, you know, players that we know about. Barkheisen, who we've talked about extensively on this podcast. Um, Jordan Hugill, who's sort of floating about places. Rumoured to join us in the summer. Yeah, he was rumoured with... Uh, I think he actually handed in a transfer request, but as far as I'm aware, he, he's still at Preston North End. Um, and also, you know, they've got a, a solid back four and they do, you know, they've got a good manager. So there's, there's nothing to be surprised about in terms of Preston are doing well again. And I think that, you know, they might not be, you know, in the in the hunt come the end of the season. But I definitely think they're, they're going to be a, a team in the top half of the table. And it's not going to be an easy ride by any stretch of the imagination. Do you think Preston might be there or thereabouts towards the end of the season? A side that hard to beat can do very, very well in this league. Yeah, I don't think they'll make top six, but they will be like eighth, ninth in the table, I think. Mm. I mean, they're a very, very good organised side. That's what Alex Neal has done with the sides. He was successful when he first arrived at Norwich. He was successful in Scotland. So I think we've got to be wary of them because obviously we're obviously going to be favourites. They're going to be sitting back and we've got to find out a way to counteract these teams who come to us, to Craven Cottage. Because it was sort of the same last season that we just can't, uh, attack teams properly at home or they sit back so deep that we can't really think of not a plan B but what was it a plan A.5 
to just sort of try and counteract this and perform at home because we used to be as in the Premier League one of the best home teams in the league and now it's the opposite way around we can only seem to win away from home yeah it's quite important that we start to get that monkey off our back quite quickly but once again the easier fixtures aren't falling for us at home and it's another difficult side to beat I mean, there's no really easy fixtures in this league. I, I, I see I see each game, not necessarily, because I don't really think there's a favourite in the league at the moment. You can maybe argue Wolves, but I think, yeah, just take every, I would just take every game that comes, sort of go into it with the mindset that this team can achieve something in this league, because every team can at the moment. So, But I think we should, we should get three points, but I, I never really know because it's a home game and I don't really have much optimism at the moment going into them. Well, definitely not if we're going to be uh, leading 1-0 into the final few minutes. Uh, what changes do you expect Slav to make on Saturday? Molo came into the squad for the QPR game and Kamara went back out. Uh, do you think either of them will make the starting lineup? If Kamara's fit, I'd like to see him play. I think he's different to what we've got and he, he's maybe what we need in a home game to try and stretch these defences because... Rui Font can hold the build up really well, but we need someone who's going to go in and run in behind these def- these, def- these deep line defences and score a goal. And I think once he gets consistent game time, he will be an important player for us this season. Uh, at Forest, when Font was in behind and Kamara ahead of him, I thought they played really well. Isuarez is match fit and he's played a few games behind closed doors for the under-23s. And when we, I think, played Southampton yeah. behind closed doors, I think we lost 2-0. Yeah, I think, yeah. We did, but apparently played very well. Um I remember Rui Font hit the post and uh, Suarez was all round seemed to have quite a yeah. good game he also played in that the under-23s game where we lost 4-0 but managed to get a standing ovation coming off the pitch which is a bit of an odd thing to happen as a defender when you've conceded four times but apparently he was very very yeah, good if, he was, if, he, if he's fit I'd start him so would I um, um, behind probably I might even start behind second on the left and move Moller over to the right hand side because I want to see everyone wants to see Cecil for the forward we know he's not really a left back and it's not even everyone obviously does the Gareth Bale comparison but Gareth Bale was a, a pretty decent left back at the time but I think Cessnion is just definitely a left winger and I think if him and Suarez can sort of build up a good partnership like Cessnion has with Molo when they play together but I think yeah I'd start Molo and Cessnion up out wide and then Suarez at the back if they're fit to play that way and then have McDonald and Johansson with Font in behind Kamara if he's fit but it, again we haven't had the press conference yet so we don't know who's fit and who's not yeah it's an it's an interesting one I think that I'd also go with Suarez at left back if that was going to be an option we've got Aite coming back in I know you know here on in, in, in these parts we're not you know massively pro Aite coming straight back in but there will be a lot of people that would want to see that and I think that Slavisa has his reasons that Aite is, is, is his almost first choice left winger and I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with a you know obviously Ojo's injured now so you know whether that's a blessing in disguise is yet to be seen obviously we wish him all the best and, and hope for his recovery but you know I think there was some sort of agreement with Liverpool that he'd play a certain amount of matches and, and that's why we've seen him start so many thus, thus far basically do you actually think there would be an agreement I think there's with a, something like a 70% agreement yeah is that allowed I didn't even know that was a thing that... yeah it's a thing basically what clubs do is they'll say we'll send you out on loan and if he doesn't play a certain amount of matches then you have to pay an extra fee okay and so what it is is basically to stop people stockpiling loan players in order to you know, just to, to mm. build squad depth rather than to give them an actual run out. So, I mean, it makes sense for a club like Liverpool to, to include that kind of thing. 
I guess it's a fee though that Fulham could afford if it was the case that OJ wasn't performing. It's not going to bankrupt us. No, no, not at all. I don't, I don't think so. But I think it's one of those things where you know there's obviously some sort of there's quite a lot of speculation and, and quite a lot of pressure, I suppose, on, on Shea Ojo to perform. And I think that Slavica must see something in training, you know, every day that that means he's going to start. I don't think he'd just be starting him for you know financial sensibilities if we want to put it that way. But I think that him being out might be a blessing in disguise in terms of us being able to see what our other wingers bring to the table. Um, a lot of play, a lot of us have been, you know, calling out to see more of Molo, to see a little bit of Jordan Graham, even perhaps. Um, I know Has he, didn't he played have the... apart from the Burton game. No, so and he was awful when he came on in that game. To be honest, he got ten minutes. I know, but I just what what I saw of him, he, he just didn't look match fit, and that's clearly what the issue is at the moment. I mean, he's clearly a very good player. We've seen it. Over the years, when he when he's been playing for at Oxford and he plays and then Wolves and Villa, yeah. Wolves and Villa, so he's clearly got the talent. And I think if he got a run of games, he could become very good. And if Kamara is playing up front at the time, his his delivery could be very very important. Getting those runs in for Kamara at that person game, he looked like he was kicking a beach ball. Like every free kick or cross that he did, just kind of ballooned off his foot, just so high as if the ball was just nothing was really going right in that game no, whatsoever. I think that don't think you can lay blame at Jordan Graham. So, in the last international break, it's quite annoying this part of the season for a club football fan. It's actually been quite entertaining some of the international breaks recently because there's just been so much going on in the in the race for Russia. But yeah, I have from, no complaining. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, been a it's, wicked. It's one of the best break. international breaks. But from a club. Fans' perspective, it's quite frustrating these starts to the season where you kind of have four weeks, then a break, four weeks, then a break, four weeks, and a break. And, and it must be even more frustrating for Slav and the players because after the last international break was that brilliant Ipswich win. And then we were slow to get started again and kind of got towards the end of international break and we built up a head of steam. Do you foresee similar problems in I feel, this run of I games. feel like this one is a bit better than the last one because we've won obviously two games on the bounce and I think it, it was actually not needed as such but it, it will give them an opportunity to now work because they know Kearney's not going to be back last international break I didn't don't think they knew the extent of his injury so so they were just like oh, Kearney will be back soon but I think now they could have a long time to work on how to fill that creativity gap I know Johansson was away in international duty but the other team have got to play their role as well so I think it was very, very important that you have this international break to work on it. Although we were in a good run of form and everyone, when you're in a good run of form, wants to continue playing games. Players always say that. I think it wasn't necessarily at a bad time. Also, you know, bear in mind the fact that we had a, what, we've had two weeks off, yeah, fine. But actually, before that, we had three games in eight days. So it's not like we were going to be like coming off the back of that being like, oh, right, we all feel like absolutely top notch. We would have been, you know, been knackering. And I think we could see that by the end, end kind of bits of the QPR game that, the, you know, people look knackered and, and they had put in a fair shift. So let's not, you know, not. Yeah, they performed really well in a three game, seven out of nine, and everyone would have taken that going into that. There's nothing wrong with them being tired, but like it's completely reasonable. But at the same time, what they've had now is two weeks to rest, recover. You know, yes, some players will will have travelled, but the only person that really would have travelled extensively is Tim Ream, who's you know had to go across land and sea. Whereas you know, Steph Joe, for example, has gone to Oslo and San Marino. There's these are not you know particularly long places to go. Who have been back in since Tuesday? Like he's a some yeah. of the some of the players that weren't on international break would probably have travelled just as far Precisely. to some sort of holiday destination. You'd imagine maybe on the the, the weekend off or something. So so yeah, I mean, I think basically it, it's no harm for us this break as long as they've been you know putting in the the right kind of effort and and the kind of dedication and training that we expect. And 
I mean, I can't see Savisa being one to allow people to slack off, and I, I don't think anyone's under that impression. So, yeah, I think I think this hasn't really done us any harm. Yeah, it's annoying that when we were winning games, there was a break, but at the same time, people should come back refreshed and, and raring to go. And the only particularly question mark you could raise is, you know, I know that a lot of Preston's players won't have been on international and GT. I think it's maybe two, Odalda and, and Odalda and Maguire, and I think that's maybe one more. But aside from that... But gone are the days where tons and tons of Fulham players are, are heading off. Oh, we have, you know, we've had eight or so. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, around the, around the squad. The I'm not saying they're all first teamers. But yeah, four, you know, four, four yeah. five. Um, so how crucial is this October period for Fulham? If you'd have looked at this at the start of the season, you'd have said this was a very, very winnable uh, set of fixtures in October. So it's home to Preston, then away to Villa, which I guess at any stage of the season we'd have probably thought yeah. that's a difficult trip, but it looks even more difficult now as they started to build well, up record ahead of Villa Park isn't exactly the greatest. Yeah. I mean, apart from that win in the th- in thirteen fourteen, oh, I've never seen us win there above that. So I just I think Villa away. I'm not expecting anything more than a point at the moment I think a point would be a very very good result to get in because in the form they're in but I think we really need to look start picking up three points in pretty much every home game Villa look quite transformed as well um, you know I'm sure we're going to further depth on it on, on Monday when we've seen what we produce on, on Saturday but you know with bringing in uh, Keenan Davis over the last kind of three four weeks and I've been talking about Villa a lot because a couple of my friends are, are, are big villains and um, they they talk a lot about this Davis chap who's come in. He's, he's a youngster, but he's a big brute of a forward. He's a, a real hold-up man, a real target man, and he drags defenders around with him in a Chris Martin-like in a, in a way. But what he's done is he's freed up space for a recently revived Jonathan Codger. And basically, Codger and Adoma either side of him have just started ticking in goals. And I think we always expected that some of the signings that Villa made last season would eventually click, especially Kodja. Yeah, well, of course, but, you know, Kodja clicked last season. In fact, without Kodja, Villa would have been relegated. Mm. But, you know, he and he's also always had quite a weirdly good understanding with Adoma, but the, the presence of Davis now in the middle of the park has really started to open up things for Villa and they look like a different team. Under Bruce has gone back to a 4-4-2. It's no messing about. He, he is really very much a... He's gone back to what he knows, what he likes, and and with this kind of two up front, that you know, Codger sort of having them freedom to roam around this kind of lone spear point, is is really started to tick for Villa, and uh, and they look a very good side once again. And the two games after that, back at the cottage uh, in October, just around Halloween, uh, so we host Bolton, who at the moment you have to say has got to be three points in the current form that Bolton are in, um, leaking goals and struggling to score them. It's been a bit of a tough return for them back in the Championship, and then a few days later, Bristol City, which actually as well looks like a bit of a tricky game, but maybe at the start of the season you wouldn't have thought that considering their tailspin at towards the end of last season. You reckon if the ge- if the season was another 10 games last season, they could have been well in the relegation fight because their good start clawed them out of trouble. But how many t- points in total are you expecting from October? I think if we, get, if we want to properly challenge, we have to take at least 10 points, I think. I was going to say eight's the minimum. Yeah, but eight is the bare, bare, bare minimum. minimum. But I think if we really want to challenge, we need to be taking 10 points. If we're points. going to be looking at getting into the top two uh, yeah. and being in a position to challenge for those by January, yeah, I, I'm with Dom. Can we afford to lose any more points on those at the very top? I think... It is still quite early on in the season, but you don't want to be falling behind and being playing catch-up for the rest of the season like we did last season. Because if we just performed the way we did for the second half of last season, for the entirety of the season, we would have probably won the league. We all know, though, how 
quickly a good run of form can propel you up the table, especially at this point where it's still a bit loose. And, you know, five, six game winning streak can change your position so drastically that I don't think it's like the end of the world. He happened to lose one of these games. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to suddenly I mean, it is, drop off the It is a relatively tough player. month, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, when we play Bristol, the home team never wins, literally. Yeah. <laughs> We're both uh, away day specialists. Yeah, yeah. Pre- Preston are but Preston are a very solid unit. Villa, we don't really have a very good record away to. So I think we need to be looking to getting a lot of points. But I think fans need to realise that it is a very tough run of fixtures. Although we've got seven out of the last nine, so I think we've got to be just building on that. And I think, as you said, once you get into a run of form, we, we see a team we don't look like stopping once we start winning. Because once we, once our team's playing with confidence, there's no there's no stopping them really. You almost feel that this Preston game is a bit of a barometer for the month and not like everything depends on it but good start to the Preston game and it re- really might give us that run of form because suddenly it's three on the bounce and then if you get another one after that you know simple mathematics we're talking four so two plus two is <laughs> yeah. four minus one that's three quick maths um, yeah it, it's one of those I think that we, we shouldn't be scared of anyone I think you know, I've said it before and I say it again, I think Borough are the best team in this league. I think they are the they have the best squad and I think they are probably on paper the team to beat this year. Um it's as simple as that. And to be honest, we looked the better side than Borough at, at the cottage. I thought they looked, I thought they looked really poor in that game. I, I thought they did too, but I don't know how much of that was us making them look poor. Um so so there's that to consider. I think that if we can play like that and outplay Borough, you know, so drastically, yeah, we drew. Yeah, and you know there are weaknesses. We no one's no one's hiding away from that. Another massive game obviously will be in was is that I think it's early December. Is it Wolves is that? Wolves is there. Early fourth November. of November. Fourth of November. Yeah, I think that's that will be a big barometer as well. So because they're obviously another one of the favourites, they've been scoring goals left, right, and centre. So we want to see obviously how we play against them. Obviously, it'll be away from home. So that's the last game before another yeah. international break as well. Before the World Cup playoffs. Before the big, the big playoffs. Yeah. All the lads. Yeah, let's come on to it, Jack. How was last Tuesday? It was Monday. Um, Sorry, Monday. It was. It was exceptionally stressful, if I'm honest, Sammy. I didn't really enjoy any of the game. Like, as in, there were about I reckon there were five overall minutes of the 95 that I enjoyed. One being the goal. And the last of those being uh, Tom Lawrence just f- like having a 95th minute free kick and just firing it straight across the face of the goal and out for a throw-in. I think that was probably the best moment of the match for me. I, like, you know, if you think that you know, supporting one team that is like heart-stopping constantly is bad enough, you know, add an international to it to doing that and it, and it becomes really quite, you know, <laughs> desperate. I'm sure my heart's going to give up. But, um, but yeah, as much like Fulham in the last couple of games, we came through. So, uh yeah, come on you boys in green and all. It was an incredible game. I watched it here. Um, I don't have Sky, so I watched it on uh, S4, S4C. Yeah, everyone who, did, who didn't have Sky Sports were just watching the world, stri- the world stream. And apparently at the end of the game, there was like a montage of really like sad music with like all the Wales highlights trying to qualify. <laughs> well, my own favourite moment of the Sky bits was um, I actually watched it in an Irish pub and we watched it with the RTE commentary rather than the, um, rather than the Welsh commentary. But it, it was... Um, it was it was quite amusing, equally, you know, in terms of just weird things that Irish commentators say. Uh, but one of my highlights was watching back uh, the next day because it was on at work and and watching Robbie Savage at the end, just being like, it's really unfair. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was that was a highlight for me. So yeah, I mean, a, a good international break in general, really. I think that um, we won't ev- we won't see an international break like that for for quite a while with like so much drama, so much headlines, and and, and lots of big players falling. You know, we'll talk. I'm sure later about about Fulham's 
sad sad players who are who have not made the grade. But, well, let's um, let's come on to that now because the big other big story from the international break was. Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and uh, our very own Tim Ream wasn't in action uh, for the USA as they uh, crashed out of the World Cup. Uh, the amazing stat I find about um, the fact that USA went out of the World Cup that was that there was 27 permutations that could happen on Tuesday night. Only one of those meant that the USA wouldn't qualify. Have you uh, seen the goal that meant that they didn't qualify as well? But is the, do you mean Panama's first goal? Yeah. Only thing was that was a penalty. That was going to be a penalty, if not. But yes, yeah, it's, it's scandalous. I mean, it's ludicrous. But um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, America weren't good enough, and it's as simple as that. Yeah, you you can look at like individual moments for our qualifying campaign, but that's not the reason you don't qualify. It's like blaming you not winning the title in one game. It, that's not how how big these campaigns work. You got to perform throughout the entirety of the campaign and you will in in essence then get to the tournament unless you're Switzerland yeah poor old Switzerland well Switzerland might still get there they're yeah, not out of I, it. I, I, I fully expect them to but like winning nine out of your first nine games in qualifying and then losing your last one with 27 points more than England got and now they're in the playoffs but they did have a weak group though they did They Portugal and Switzerland were just pretty much destroying every other good team in the group. And I believe that the, Switzerland played Portugal at home in their first game. They, watched, they won 2-0. I remember watching it. It was one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. Um, I don't think Ronaldo played. And, and Portugal were just absolutely diabolical. I think it was their first game since winning the Euros. Winning the Euros and they were they were just on a hangover. It was, it was terrible. And, and Switzerland just sort of scored two scrappy goals from corners and, and that was it. And it was one of those. But... You know, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's harsh. It's harsh on Switzerland, but I mean, and the playoffs aren't easy. They never are, um, and they won't be easy for anyone. So we'll, we'll see what happens now. So is Ollie Norwood the only Fulham player that could potentially be at the World Cup, or am I missing someone? Ollie Norwood isn't even a Fulham player. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, by the time, by the time the World Cup, it will be back at Brighton unless yeah. we sign him on a permanent deal, which I can't see happening. Because. Uh, you could have said Scotland maybe got through the playoffs. There's a potential that uh, TC may have made the squad. Maybe there'd have been a change of heart on Kevin McDonald. But I feel like Ollie is the only one. I might be missing someone here, a glaring error, but I can't think of anyone. Do, 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 do. Sessignor's getting on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Sessignor's going to be a late caller. I actually have a fiver on them. Um, I think a lot of that's people a, do. a bad bet. <laughs> I would ad- advise not to do Get him on the plane. Sessignon isn't even playing for any of the youth squads at the moment, so which is all a bit odd. I'm not quite sure what's happening with Sess. Um, but ever since he starred in the old World Cup... Um, was it final or did they win? Yeah, the final, yeah. Oh, and they won, yeah. Sorry. Was it 21s that won? No, 20s won. 20s won and the 21s and lost in yeah, the final. Yeah, the 19s won as well. I think that's what Sessignon was And playing. the 17s... Yeah. Yeah, came third. They basically won or got to the final. Basically, yeah. everyone did well. But um, Sess is now no longer playing for any of the teams, which is all yeah. a bit weird. Yeah, it is a bit weird. And there was a moment at one point where he didn't get selected in any of the youth squads. I think it was the last international yeah, it was, yeah, no, And everyone was like, oh my God, has Sess got a full call up? And then he just didn't. Um, well, if you do want to put that bet on Ryan Sessignon, uh, right now our friends at Ladbrokes, you can uh, bet £5, get £20, uh, go to bet.fullamish.co.uk to get that deal. I forgot to mention it at the beginning of the podcast, so uh, cheers for reminding me there, Jack. No worries, uh, and speaking of adverts, uh, we'll be back with some questions after this. All right, Sammy. All right. How do you feel about beer? Yeah, I like a can or two. How do you feel about free beer? Yeah, I like three cans as well. I like more than three cans, personally. Of course but you do. Here at Fulhamish Podcast, we have a deal for you. 
which gets you free beers with our friends over at beer52.com. Please do tell more. So if you go to beer52.com and put in the code FULHAM, you can either get eight free beers for £0 plus post and packaging or ten beers for £5 plus post and packaging. So basically, if you pay six quid, they deliver you loads of beers. That sounds pretty good. So you just pay for the delivery yeah, and you get free beers. Eight free beers. And does it support the podcast as well? My much-loved favourite podcast. Yeah, and we get benefits from beer52.com as well. Which means we can buy beer. Yeah, for ourselves. And maybe even for you at the pub before a game. Good stuff. What's the code again? Fulham at beer52.com. One more time. Fulham at beer52.com. Hello, welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. My name's Sammy, here with Jack and Dom. Uh, in the break, we did think of potentially a couple more Fulham players that could go to the World Cup, starting in Iceland. Yeah, we actually still have Ragnar on the books, so actually we do have a Fulham player with a place on the plane. And then a couple of long shots, maybe Belgium and Portugal, Portugal with Dennis Adoy and Rui Fonts. Get them all on the plane. And Rafa Suarez, get them on the plane as well. All of them on the plane. We can but hope. So, uh, let's do some questions before we wrap up today's podcast. Uh, Jack, what, what's coming in on the old post bag? There's, quite a, there's a couple of uh, very good questions. Uh, this one's from Alex, AJ Whiteford, who is a regular contributor of questions to the, to the pod. Uh, this is a, a cracker, uh, if, if you don't mind me saying. It says, do you feel that K-Mac being given the captaincy in TC's absence has improved or shown the true quality he has and his vitality to the squad? He should have been made captain in the first place. I don't. I think Kenny was literally made captain to try help, like as part of the argument for him to stay. Really, I think that's the reason. Kenny McDonald is a lot more of a leader. I don't. I think Kenny plays too far forward to be a captain. For me, it should be a centre mid or a centre back. Should be your captain. That's still just the way it should be. Against modern football, Don Betts. It is. It should. <laughs> like, but I mean, Kenny. But Kenny McDonald is our most. Our most key player at the moment I think it is anyway but I think he, he reads the game so well that him being captain makes sense he's got great leadership qualities which we've seen and he seems yeah I think it has improved us maybe in being captain but I don't think like it's the reason we're playing well I think our tactics are just come to fruition but Kevin McDonald obviously is a massive part of that yeah I think he's a natural leader isn't he Kevin McDonald I think the captaincy is something that comes to him with ease and that's not something that happened with TC and he grew he's grown into the role Tom of being club captain but can you remember at the beginning and he was still he was still doing frustrating things that you felt like a captain shouldn't do image you know storming down the tunnel after games and not going applauding the fans and you didn't feel like he was carrying the team during difficult moments whereas you feel that Kevin McDonald that kind of natural leadership he leads by example so I'm not surprised that Kevin McDonald has relished being captain and as Dom said if it was my choice who was captain I still probably would pick Kevin McDonald over Tom Kearney but you know TC's grown into that role and I think he now is a great ambassador for the club so I think both uh are good people to have it but yeah in the first instance I'd have given it to K-Mac and so not surprised that he's flourishing in that role I think it's important to remember that when you know TC took that captaincy he very much wasn't a captain and one of the first articles ever written on fulhamish.co.uk actually was a, a thing about why Tom Kearney shouldn't have been given the armband after Scott Parker's retirement in, in truth, I, at the time I argued that it should have been given to Ryan Tunnicliffe, so that makes it invalid, I don't know. But it, the, point, the point was that Kearney was like, quite immature at the time where he was given that armband, and, and it, was, 
it has calmed him down and it has made him more sensible but I still think he's a bit of a hothead and I wouldn't be surprised if he can if he at some point in the season does something and people are like that's not captain material and I don't think Kevin McDonald would do that and even in the things I remember Kevin McDonald being sent off last year and even then you know he took it with grace he you know it was it was one of those he was obviously you know upset by you know his own reaction as much as anything else but he took it you know well and he he, he went off and he apologized and, and and all these things and i think that it's important to to remember that kenny has developed as a captain and that that's a good thing and it's a good for both us and for him as a player but yeah i agree i think i think kevin mcdonald would be is the natural choice to be captain and um, i think he's the natural leader in this side anyway but you know, do you need the armband to be the natural leader of a side? Some people no. would say no, and, and and the argument is that if, if that's what's keeping Kearney here, then Kevin McDonald can be a leader behind him without the captaincy yeah, wrapped around his arm, which is which has got to be a good thing, I think. And also, I get, I mean, we overstate the importance of captaincy in this country, and that's been well documented many times, but I guess not only just keeping Kearney here, but if it was the captain's armband that has turned Kearney into this player who takes more responsibility for this game and the captaincy has developed him into an even better Fulham player then I guess that's win-win for everybody because it, we, we've got a even more well-rounded player out of Kenny being given the armband so I guess you could look at it both ways and maybe it was quite a strategic thing from Stavi thought okay maybe if I give Kenny the armband we'll get more out of Tom Kenny whereas maybe as you say giving the armband wouldn't have changed much for Kevin McDonald he still plays that way so at the time he'd really only been in the club for six months and I don't really think you can give the captaincy to someone who's been at the club for such a short amount of time what about John Terry at Villa yeah but that's just Villa and John Terry and it's just well, Scott Parker strange. pretty much made captain straight away um, I think he was made captain quite shortly but I think it was because someone was injured I think he was like basically given the armband I think in his first game though he was captain and I can't remember who he took it off I, 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 something for something for the listeners. Somebody, somebody, let us know what the, yeah. what the uh, answer to this question is. I'm sure a simple Google could have uh, fixed that for us, but alas, we don't have that at our fingertips. What's the next question, Jack? Um, this is from JT Gwadz or Gwadzilla, um, which is a really difficult name to pronounce, man. Like I'm really struggling, y'all. But it's change it's cool. your name. No, I mean this is a good question. He says, when you road trip, do you take the team coach or make the trip yourself? I'm here for four months pl- planning to hashtag follow Fulham away to Birmingham. So I'm going to hand this over to resident away day expert. Sammy James. <laughs> Don Betts. <laughs> Get the train. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> no, um, if you're going to Birmingham, I presume for Villa, not the last game this season, uh, you can get a cheap tickets from Marlebone to Euston. It's only, I think it's like half hour, 40 minutes longer than, not to Euston, to New Street. Uh, no, Euston goes to New Street. I think it's Moore Street that yeah. Marlebone goes into. Right. It's like half hour longer than the Euston train, but it's like more than half the price because I think there's no advanced tickets left for Birmingham. It's only off-peak tickets, but if you get if you can book an advanced ticket for Marlebone, it'll be a lot, lot cheaper. So if you want to get the train, do that. There's a lot of Fulham fans getting Marlebone train because of how cheap it is. So if you if you want to follow Fulham away to Birmingham for a bit away, go and do that. And why the train? If, you, I'm, a bit, I'm playing devil's advocate. I do understand, but... Because you can drink cans. That is a is a, is a big exactly. Plus. It's also the the team coach is slightly unpredictable at, at times, and obviously traffic filters into things. And while trains do, you know, suffer delays and things, they tend to be on the whole mostly reliable. Um, I, I have always found there is also something about the feeling of going to football on the train, and I don't know what it is. It's that 
it's that eighties feel. It is, isn't it? And you put your you put your London Irish white flag up, and you put your flag up in the window. You put your Congo flag up in the window, window, and then I just, I've always loved getting the train. I don't know what it is. I've probably visited most of the UK just going to football. Yeah, well, I think that's it. I think also just trains are just quicker, and exactly, yeah. and you get more time in cities. And yes, they're a bit more expensive, but in general, it just makes for a much more pleasant outing. I can't imagine much worse than having to like drive down in a coach after losing like a northern away game. Yeah, um, and just having to wait around for people to like filter out the stadium. Wait I remember, around. I got the coach to the game at Bramall Lane. I left left at like five or six in the morning, and I was like, oh, ne- never doing this again. But no, yeah, once you get to um, Moore Street, you get in the Marlowe train, walk across the new street and you get a train to Aston, which is right next to the ground. And the next away game after Villa will again be in the West Midlands. And that's actually, as you mentioned earlier, a pretty big game against Wolves, Friday night. It would be nice to get a decent... Is it on a Friday night? Yeah, yeah. it's on Sky. So it would be good to get a good following up there because that's it would be more it's, and more like a big game. It's quite easy to get to. It's a direct train from London, Euston. Um, I'd recommend buying a single to Birmingham and then a single from Wolverhampton back down to London after the game. There's a 10.45 train back because there's no pubs really in Wolves that's let away fans in. There's only a few, so I'd recommend everyone to go into Birmingham City Centre, drink there and then get the train or the tram across the Wolves. So it is possible to get back on the Friday night? Yeah, there's a ten, there's, there's a 9.45 and a 10.45 train. I'm, I'm seriously considering it, actually. Yeah, but- that's already up if you want to do that one that one's already up on our website we're also about to publish uh, over the next couple of days Dom's December edition of the yeah we thought we'd release it early because there's Hull and Sunderland and they're going up they're both pretty expensive at the moment Hull I don't think the direct trains are on sale yet but you can change via Doncaster and at the moment I think it's 30 quid for an, an adult and 20 quid with a rail card. Yeah, You're going to want to book Sorry, Sunderland yeah. six weeks in advance um, from a person that went to university in, in, in the northeast. Yeah. Six weeks in advance is the optimum time for buying Virgin trains on the yeah, east coast. Yeah, and for Sunderland, there's a specific train that's actually direct from London, which isn't run by Virgin. But it's, I think it's, I presume it's a specific football train because I don't think it's on any other day of the week. But yeah, you can get that. I think that's gone up in, in price because loads of Fulham fans have booked it. I would potentially avoid that train if it's gone up in price. Exactly. Um, it's an early shout, but yeah. go into Newcastle, drink in Newcastle and get the metro across because exactly, it's, yeah. it's not a particularly long journey and Newcastle is it's far a, yeah. superior to Sunderland yeah. as a place. It's only about half an hour on the metro, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Um, and Newcastle's great. Yeah, and, like and you can get the metro straight to the ground. Yeah, it goes exactly. to the door. So definitely, definitely go to Newcastle or if you haven't booked that one already I would suggest and definitely read Don Betts's uh, monthly articles on the, uh, the, way, the away day planner because if you ever want to do an away game it's a pretty damn good option and has lots of facts in there like good pubs as well not just good trains there will always be a Weatherspoons option on the pub list I would expect nothing less oh, sometimes more than one yeah, in the, in the really special days. And if you truly want the Don Betts experience, get the Weatherspoons app and get the pint straight <laughs> to your table. That's exactly. the way forward, isn't it? Indeed. All right, well, that is the end of today's podcast, guys. Uh, nice, extra, special Fulhamish. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a regular episode uh, looking back at Saturday's Preston game. Uh, but to Jack Collins, thank you very much. Oh, what are we titling today's podcast? Just Fulhamish Extra October preview, maybe? Yeah, um, I hadn't really given it too much thought. Um, you know, Fulhamish X for the Preston Express and all that. Preston Express, go for it. Uh, thank you to Jack Collins. Thank you very much, Sammy. And thank you, Don Betts. It's all right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Toodles. Fulhamish.
Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes.